Hey friends, Jason Miller here. You're listening to the South Bend City Church Podcast. If you'd like to watch this teaching, just look for South Bend City Church on YouTube or find our Instagram account at SB City Church. Whether you're local and tuning in this way because our gatherings are suspended because of COVID or you're a member of our long-distance digital family, we love you and we hope you're well-served by this teaching. If you'd like to financially support the work, please go to southbendcitychurch.com give. Hey, South Bend City Church, my name is Beth, and today we're talking about the Epiphany. We're in the middle of a series on Epiphany, talking about the surprising discovery of God in the life of Jesus and what it illuminates in our lives, in the lives of our neighbors, even in the lives of our enemy. And it's the hunt for what the life of God in Jesus has to say about the life of God in us. And we learn about the life of Jesus in the four biographies of the New Testament, and that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I don't know about you, but I've been catching up and reading a little bit of the gospel reading plan that we're going through together as a community. And as I'm reading these stories that I've read time and time again, I'm noticing new things. New things are popping up, new questions are rising to the surface. And one of the new things I'm noticing is this sacred sense that people have as they experience the life of God and the life of Jesus. And that's what I want us to talk about today is this sacred sense. Now, um, there have been a couple times in my life where I've had big sacred sense moments and small sacred sense moments. In fact, I think if we're paying attention, we probably have a lot of those in our everyday life. But a few big sacred sense moments for me happened about two and a half years ago. We had the opportunity as a family to move here to South Bend. We were living in Southern California. My husband was on staff at a large church out there. I had been on staff at that church and had recently gone back to consulting and storytelling the work that I do. And we had one son starting high school and a second son who was finishing middle school. And we lived in one of those great neighborhood communities, like the kind where the front door and the garage door are always open and our kids are popping in and out of each other's homes and we're doing Friday evening dinners together as a community. It was just a really great neighborhood experience. And of course, we're all sandwiched in there because it's Southern California. And we live 20 minutes from the beach. And so like, who could want anything more, right? But Matt and I, my husband and I, we had this deep sense, we were doing some soul searching and we had this sense that life in Southern California might start to look a little different. And so we had this possibility to explore here in South Bend. And so we came out to South Bend for a visit and we toured around town and got to know a couple people. And it was actually here in this very space that I had this sacred sense that South Bend was our next move and Matt had it too. Now on paper, there wasn't much about this move that made common sense, but we couldn't shake the sacred sense that we had to be a part of this community. And now fast forward almost two and a half years later, and it's so fun to look back and see the surprising discoveries of God along the way over these last two and a half years. Another sacred sense I had was at the start of COVID. And I'm an entrepreneur, solopreneur, which is a little bit challenging in and of its own, right? I mean, all of our work is challenging. Um, and some of my paid work came to a screeching halt. Actually, most of my paid work came to a screeching halt. And I was deciding, do I fold and do I find another place um, to work? 
What do I do? And I just had this sacred sense deep down inside that I just needed to keep doing the work that I was doing. And that sacred sense was affirmed by friends, by some community, by my husband. And so I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, following that sacred sense to keep doing the work that I'm doing. And now almost 10 months later, I can't believe we've been in COVID for almost 12 months, but almost 10 months later, I can look back and I see the surprising discovery of God in so many moments of just keep putting my foot forward, keep doing the work that I was doing. And that's what I wanna talk about today, this sacred sense of discovering God in ourselves and the sacred sense of discovering God in the life of Jesus. When I think about the life of Jesus and discovering this sacred sense of God in the life of Jesus, I think about two places in scripture. I think about the birth of Jesus and the baptism of Jesus. And so, you know, the birth of Jesus, Jesus is born in a manger in Bethlehem. And we know that the shepherds and the angels, they're declaring the good news of God. They're declaring this surprise discovery of God in the life of this new baby boy. And then we fast forward some 30 years to the baptism of Jesus. And we see that Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist and Jesus is lowered in the water. And as he's raised out of the water, scripture tells us that the heavens opened, that the spirit of God descended on Jesus like a dove. And then we hear this fatherly voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is a sacred sense that we're seeing the life of God in the life of Jesus. But what's interesting is it makes me think like, what about the in-between, right? Like that's one of my questions as I'm rereading through these stories in the four biographies of the New Testament. What about the in-between? And Luke gives us two glimpses of the life of Jesus in between the birth and the baptism. And those two glimpses are in chapter two and they're actually back to back. And we're gonna focus on the first one, but we'll talk about the second one a little bit too. So this very first glimpse of Jesus, of discovering the life of God and the life of Jesus actually happens when Jesus is still a baby. He's about 40 days old and his parents bring him to the temple in Jerusalem, like all good obedient Jewish parents did with their firstborn. And they come and they present Jesus in the temple. And Luke 2, 22 through 40 tells us more about this story. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, meaning Exodus, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord from Leviticus, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, which means comfort of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, he took Jesus in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, 
This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption or the salvation of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And as the child grew and became strong, he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Now, there's a lot going on in those short verses, right? We see Mary and Joseph, they're bringing their baby Jesus to the temple to be presented. I imagine they're holding him in their arms. And as soon as they step into the temple courts, this man rushes up to them. And I imagine Simeon to be this passionate person who's appeared in the temple courts because he received a word from God that day. And then there's Anna who's been in the courts day after day after day, and she's been praying and fasting and worshiping. And we don't know, does she live there? Does she visit there every day? But it's almost as if Anna's the good Catholic and Simeon's the wild charismatic, right? That's the kind of energy, the vibe that we're picking up as we read through these verses. And so here's Anna who's, who shows up every day and here's Simeon who shows up with a lot of passion in the moment because the Holy Spirit was on him and he received a word that he was going to see the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And in this moment, they meet Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. You know, this reminds me of the poem that Jason shared, our lead pastor Jason, he shared a poem at the very beginning of this epiphany season. And it was this poem from Mary Oliver. And it said, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. And I think if we're really honing in on this story and Simeon and Anna's response, we are paying attention, they are being astonished, and they're telling about it, right? And so here are Simeon and Anna, and what's I, what I find interesting is they, as soon as Jesus stepped into the temple courts, they have this sacred sense that they are witnessing the life of God in the life of this baby. And what's interesting is that they're in the very epicenter of Jewish authority. At any point, they could have pulled a priest aside or a religious authority aside and said, hey, we think that maybe there's something special about this baby. Um, tell us a little bit more about the Messiah or could you come with us? Could you meet this baby? Could you meet his parents? But neither one of them do that. They actually trust their own sacred sense that what they're seeing, who they're seeing is the life of God and the life of this tiny baby boy. Now, Simeon goes on, and this is a little bit of a side note, but I think it's so interesting. You know, he goes on and he rushes over to Joseph and Mary and he scoops Jesus out of their arms into his own arms. And he prays this prayer of thanksgiving to God. Like he basically says, thank you, God, I can die now. I've seen the redemption, the consolation, the comforter of Israel, right? And then he looks at Mary and he says a really strange prayer of blessing over both Jesus and Mary. And he talks about Jesus as the rise and fall of Israel, someone to be contradicted, something to be contradicted. And he tells Mary that a sword will pierce her own soul too. Like what a strange prayer of blessing for a new mom, right? Or over this new baby, right? 
And yet I think that when we read this story, at first glance, it's easy to be like, oh yeah, a sword pierces Mary's soul because we imagine her at the foot of the cross as Jesus is crucified and that would pierce our soul too to lose a child in such a horrific way. And yet what a lot of scholars think is that Simeon is not just calling out the motherhood of Mary. Simeon's actually referring to the personhood of Mary. He's essentially saying, Mary, you too will have a choice to make. Your son will cause the rise and the fall of this nation. And in that rising, in that falling, in that contradiction, in that controversy, in that divine disruption of Jesus, you too will have a choice to make. Will you see Jesus as the redemption of Jerusalem, as the consolation of Israel, or will you simply see Jesus as your son? And I just think that that's such an interesting side note that Simeon is calling out this personhood in Mary when it's so easy for all of us to focus on her motherhood. And so this sacred sense that Simeon and Anna have, I'd like to believe as I read this that if Simeon and Anna had a sacred sense when they saw the life of God in this baby Jesus, that we have access to that very same sacred sense that we can have that sacred sense in our own lives as we interact with ourselves, as we see God in our own lives, as we see God in the lives of our neighbors or, um, or our family members or even our enemies. You know, I think that there's this sacred sense that we see in people who are hard to love when all of a sudden we see their vulnerability and their dependency. And there's this easy sacred sense of God that we have when we see someone and we see their delight right? They're God-given delight. And so it's in this delight and dependency and vulnerability that I think our sacred sense um, connects with the sacred sense we see in others. Now, some of us uh, call this sacred sense other things, right? Some of us call it the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe today we'll start calling it the sacred sense after this. Some of us call it a deep gut sense. Some of us call it a deep sense of intuition. Whatever you call it, I think that this story points to this idea that we all have access to a sacred sense. But that sacred sense is really hard to trust sometimes. It's been hard to trust in my life in a few different ways, in ways of uh, maybe things that people have said to me, that my truth isn't the truth, and I've had a hard time trusting my own voice because I've been told my truth isn't the truth. Or maybe it's in painful experiences, it's in past hurts or disappointments or failures. And because of those, we have a hard time trusting ourselves or we have a hard time trusting God. Maybe it's in fear, like maybe you've actually never tested out your sacred sense because you've, you've been so afraid, right? Fear keeps us small instead of expanding and allowing us to open ourselves up to experiencing the sacred sense of God in our lives and in the lives of others. Or maybe it's just confusion. Maybe you're like, hey, what is the difference between sacred sense and common sense? I don't get it. And I think that's a really great question. And I would say based on my experience that there are times when sacred sense is actually out beyond common sense. That there are times where sacred sense and common sense line up with one another. And then there are times where sacred sense and common sense actually create a little bit of friction for each other. And that's when I think it's really helpful, especially in moments of a big sacred sense, like the uh, story I told you about moving to South Bend, that we invite trusted, safe, wise voices into our lives who are walking alongside of us as we're living out this sacred sense. So what does this mean for us today? 
I think it means that we have access to tap back into the sacred sense that we all have, that we can start in some really small and simple ways, that we can start to see the sacred sense in a neighbor when we're having conversation in the front yard, and we can start to see the sacred sense in the cashier at the grocery store as we see their eyes above their mask, right? And no words are exchanged, but there's just this delight in the, in the exchange of glances we can start to see the sacred sense in our kids as they come to us to share a story, in our loved ones as they want our time and need our energy or just wanna be with us. We can start to see the sacred sense in our enemies when we're willing to be engaged in conversation or in understanding. We can start to tap into small ways of seeing the sacred sense in others. You know, when we first moved to South Bend, we had a chance to share our story of coming to South Bend, that sacred sense story, with a group of people. And afterwards, one of the young men in the group came up to my husband and I, and he shared a beautiful vision of what he saw for our lives here in South Bend. Now, I have to admit, it was actually really awkward. It was abrupt. It was like not something that was normal for our faith community. And yet it was beautiful and it was hopeful and it was encouraging. But it took action on that young man's part. He was following through on his sacred sense. And so I think sacred sense requires action on our part, right? Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. It requires action. I think about what if Simeon and Anna actually hadn't followed through on rushing over to Mary and Joseph and calling out the sacred sense of God in the life of Jesus, right? The, the text says that Mary and Joseph marveled at what they said. In fact, the last verse says, and the child grew and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And I think like, how did Simeon and Anna's sacred sense of the life of God and the life of Jesus shaped the way Mary and Joseph nurtured Jesus or shaped the way Jesus grew up after that. Our sacred sense requires action. And I don't know about you, I can think about times when I've acted on my sacred sense and I can also think about times where I ignored or dismissed my sacred sense. Those times when I knew like, hey, I really need to just check in on this person. They're on my heart and they're on my mind. I can't shake it and yet I do shake it. I ignore it or I dismiss it. Or, hey, I really need to do this thing for my neighbor. Or, hey, I really, it'd be really helpful if I paid for that small batch of groceries for the person behind me and I ignore it or I dismiss it. And I know what that feels like and I don't wanna keep doing that. I wanna lean into the sacred sense of God when I butt up against the sacred sense of my neighbors, of the people in my life. So if Simeon and Anna hadn't, hadn't stepped forward with their sacred sense, it may have altered the way Jesus grew up. Who knows? You know, what's interesting is the very next story about Jesus is when Jesus is a boy at the temple. He's a 12-year-old boy. His family comes again to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast, and he's in the temple. His parents actually leave. They don't realize he's not part of their family caravan back to their town. And Jesus is in the temple, and he's conversing and dialoguing with the, um, with the people in the temple and the religious authorities, and they're starting to notice this kid has a lot of understanding. Like, he is wise beyond his years. And again, we see this rhythm of like, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. And they're talking about it with each other. They're noticing this. There's a sacred sense about the life of this young boy. 
and the sacred sense of the life of this young boy is calling out the sacred sense of the people around him. And the very end of Luke 2, we see that same response that we saw after Simeon and Anna. Jesus is still in the temple as a 12-year-old boy, and we see, and Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and man. And I can't help but wonder, like, what if our sacred sense calls out or creates space for somebody else's sacred sense? What if Jesus continued to grow in wisdom and in favor because of the way his life was influenced by people like Anna and Simeon, or people who were around him in this temple moment when he was a 12-year-old boy? And so this is Epiphany from my perspective, that one of the most surprising discoveries of the life of God in Jesus is this sacred sense that we have when we discover the life of God in Jesus and the life of God in ourselves and the life of God in our neighbors or our enemies. This sacred sense has a surprising discovery of the epiphany. So may you learn to trust that deep sacred sense of God in your life as you call out the sacred sense in others. And may you know that your sacred sense gives life to those around you. And may you pay attention, be astonished, and tell about it as you trust this sacred sense. And may grace and peace be with you.